The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on another gorgeous but hot day in the Auburn Opelika area. This is the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067 for the next two hours, talking a lot about Auburn athletics. We've got some football to talk about. I want to talk some basketball as well today. Uh, we got some regular college football to talk about. And then uh, as it has been over the last few Tuesdays and for Tuesdays to come, Daryl Dappert will join us on the phone lines today. Hope you're doing well. Uh, busy times as usual. Uh, it's pretty much going to be busy around here until... Uh, about May, <laughs> about May or so, and uh, uh, just so much going on right now with with our high school coverage and getting ready for uh, the first episode of Tiger Talk on Thursday with the Auburn Sports Network. That'll be, uh, you know, of course, us having the rights now here at Auburn Network for uh, the Auburn Sports Network, making sure we are ready to go to air Tiger Talk on Thursday. Uh, and then the first game coming up next week, we're 11 days away from the start of Auburn football. Isn't that crazy to you? We're 11 days. Where in the world has the time gone? It seems like yesterday we were uh, we were 100 days away. And it seems like the day before that, we were talking about Auburn basketball starting its SEC schedule. And it seems like just a few days ago, Brian Harson was fired. I mean, it's just time has flown by. But we're 11 days away from the start of Auburn football. And... It can't get here soon enough. We have week zero college football coming up this weekend. Uh, some actually interesting games in week zero, believe it or not. Um, there are multiple games that I will hopefully find myself uh, tuning into this weekend for week zero. We'll talk about some of those games as we get closer to the weekend. But again, hope you're doing well. Um, it's a fun time of the year to to be in this business to be uh, working where I'm at and just so many things going on so much football going on uh, and so lots to do on the back end but then once we get to uh, kick off every single day it is a lot of fun and so again hope you're doing well this is Tuesday August 22nd 2023 11 days away as I mentioned from the start of Auburn football and we're going to talk Auburn today a little bit of recruiting as the Tigers pick up a commit for 2025 uh, big time time commit I think a guy that is only going to get better who has two years of high school football left and and some of you may think well that's kind of early right he's kind of young what happens if he were to decommit from Auburn or what happens if he were to to flop or not maybe pan out as or be as good as what people think he's going to be I don't think that's going to be an issue with this young man. So we'll talk about him who committed to Auburn yesterday and why his commitment is important, how he is connected to Auburn uh, and what he could be and who could be next for Auburn in football recruiting 
I mentioned I also want to talk a little basketball today because there's been some things coming out about this Auburn basketball team. A few videos have come out. Uh, some notes have come out. Bruce Pearl was on a podcast earlier this week uh, talking about Aiden Holloway and some other guys on this team. I've told you my excitement for this Auburn basketball team, and I want to bring that up and talk about some of these notes and look at this look at this team and who could be the starting five because, look, we're getting closer to basketball season. I know that football is right around the corner, but basketball is right there too. It starts in November, and I promise you not to wish away football season by any means, right? Not to wish away the football season, but basketball will be here very, very soon. And so I want to talk about that just a little bit with you today as well we have our question of the day it's about some bowl projections that are out there for college football we'll look at predictions for this upcoming season according to ESPN for college football and then as I mentioned Daryl Dapperts will join us on the phone lines coming up in hour number two but until then the phone lines are open I want to hear from you my wonderful listeners all you out there in Auburn Opelika whether you're on ESPN 106.7 on the radio ESPNAU.com or the ESPN 106.7 have an app give me a call what's on your mind this afternoon and you can join in be on the line be a part of the conversation 334-321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 give me a call at any point of the show today and i'd love to get you on the air and we'll talk it out well as i mentioned auburn football we know that the recruiting has been turned around we know that hugh freeze has really just done a complete 180 when it comes to the mindset of recruiting when it comes to the success of recruiting and we know what we've seen in the 2024 class some unprobable flips some unprobable commitments um and some of the best talent in the state of Alabama some of the best talent in the country have been at Auburn committed to Auburn or still considering Auburn and we've seen that really really heavily in the 2024 class but the 2025 class and I know that seems like it's kind of far away you're thinking Jacob it's still 2023 we haven't even hit the field for the 2023 season yet well if you haven't figured it out by now recruiting never sleeps in this conference recruiting never sleeps in this state and there are kids committing for 2026 and 2027 at schools across the country USC just picked up a 2026 quarterback commit recruiting never stops and you don't have any limitations besides the actual rules themselves on how far you can go right Auburn picks up a 2025 commit yesterday one of two that they have in the class right now and it's a massive one Caleb Falk he goes by JJ so that's what we will refer to him as on this show JJ Falk commits to Auburn yesterday in the 2025 class if the name Falk sort of rings a bell a little bit that's because his brother Keldrick is on the team right now he's on the team right now and I would say he's a potential starter I mean he seems to be a favorite to be the starter at defensive end um, if for some reason he doesn't he will see the field quite often this fall uh, will his brother Keldrick who's on the team right now and according to on three yesterday he was named a preseason all-american Keldrick Falk was so 
Not bad for the young guy who's stepping in and playing in the orange and blue for Keldrick Falk. His younger brother, JJ, who again has two years of high school football left. He's a junior this year. He's in the 2025 class. He's a four-star edge. And here, how about this? Stop me if you've heard this before in the last few weeks when it comes to high school recruiting. J.J. Falk chose Auburn over Alabama. Let me say that again. J.J. Falk, the 2025 four-star edge from the state of Alabama, the number 10 player in the state, chose Auburn over Alabama. Add that to the tally. There's another one, right? For so long, it was the complete other way around. Auburn may have been in the door. Auburn may have been in the top 10, maybe even the top five. Sometimes. The last few years, no. But for so long, Nick Saban and Alabama, if there was a player they wanted out of this state, they got him. They got him. And we're starting to see that slowly, let me say that, slowly, you're starting to see that narrative switch. And use J.J. Falk as an example. Again, he's a four-star edge, and he chose Auburn over Alabama, the number 10 player in the state, right around the 100 mark in his class for overall player. But the good thing about that is he still has two years of high school football. He's not going to be here for a couple of years. And if you watch this guy play, if you watch his film, there were some great videos from this past weekend where a friend of the program, Christian Clemente, was out videoing and watching him in his high school football game, the guy could play. The guy's a stud. And you're going to see him get bigger, faster, and just overall better as he goes forward and as he gets older and as he approaches playing college football. As of right now, as a junior in high school, he is six foot three, 225 pounds. Can you imagine being a junior in high school and being six foot three, 225? I guarantee nobody's messing with you. Absolutely not. And for all of us uh, on the smaller side, you better be friends with him. Because holy smokes, that's a massive human being to be a junior, to be 16 years old in high school, to just be getting a driver's license. But just think about what he can be in the next few years as he gets older grows, develops, and ultimately, if the commitment sticks, comes to Auburn, which I don't think that's going to be a problem either because the Falk family really, really likes Auburn. And there's a huge connection with the Falks and Auburn University. And here was J.J.'s quote. He said, I'm coming home, War Eagle. How about that? How about that? He held offers from Georgia, Florida, Clemson, Alabama, and ultimately, he chose the Tigers of Auburn. And so we've seen the momentum in the success in the 2024 class for Auburn football and Hugh Freeze. But you're already starting to see some movement, and you're starting to see the snowball begin to build in 2025 because you've got him. Right, You now have J.J. Falk, who is a four-star, who I think is going to get better. He's going to climb the ranks. He's going to 
get even more buzz and even more attention. And let me say this too, because we had this conversation yesterday. The recruiting is not over. The, the, the process here is not over, right? We talked about this with a guy in Camarion Franklin who chose Ole Miss over Auburn over the weekend for 2024. And I said, look, it's not done. Auburn's going to continue recruiting Franklin. You better believe that schools like Alabama are going to continue to recruit J.J. Falk, especially as he gets better. And there may be other schools that jump in it as well. But when you look at 2025, you have J.J. Falk, and he joins the four-star defensive lineman Malik Autry from right here in Opelika. So two really, really good players, which puts Auburn at number 11 in the country. It's early. I get it. It's early. But you put Auburn in the top 15 early on in the 2025 recruiting class. And so let's combine everything we've been talking about the last, what, eight months or so. Hugh Freeze and this staff came in and knocked it out of the park for the 2024 class. They revived a class that was dead to rights, non-existent, bottom of the SEC, lower than Vanderbilt at times. Hugh Freeze and company came in, and they turned it around. And you've got a top 15 class right now. Could be a top 10 by the time the thing's done. So let's say that you continue to do that in 2024 recruiting class. Then, what we've been talking about You come out on the field in 2023, which starts in 11 days, and you come out and you have a great season, a good season. Avoid a bad season. Seven and five, eight and four. Heck, I've even said if you do, if you go six and six and and do it the right way, that could still be okay. Beat the teams you're supposed to, beat one you're not. And just show some growth, show some change, show some positivity, show some optimism around the Auburn football program. So if you take the success of the 2024 class, which is not done until December, plus some results on the field, plus some optimism around the fan base, around the guys on the team and recruits in general for 24 and beyond, imagine what 2025 could look like in Auburn football recruiting. And then you bring in the 2024 class to play in 2024, plus bringing guys in through the transfer portal, and you continue to build a football team, and you have even more success in 2024, and your 2025 class could be one of those best-of-all-time recruiting classes in Auburn history, SEC history, college football history. And I know that's kind of crazy to talk about. But the potential, folks, the potential is there. Look at the players. Look at the class of 2025. We just talked about the 23 class that came through that was one of the best ones Alabama has ever seen. One of the best ones that the country has seen in a long time. 2025 has that same potential. And in this two- or three-year window where Auburn could do all the right things like they've already done, 2025 could be really, really special recruiting-wise and on the field at the same time. So J.J. Falk commits. It's a huge pickup. It's not done, but I'm not worried about it at all. I'm not. I'm not worried about J.J. Falk going anywhere 
from this Auburn football team. I don't see his commitment changing whatsoever. Um, I expect him to want to be here, play with his brother, and and have that family be a part of the Auburn family. And there's some really good storylines there on how they are connected and what Auburn means to them. It's exciting. It's exciting to see coaches in this team and this program go after those future, future stars. And J.J. Falk's going to be one of those guys. He's going to be one of those guys. And look, there's a lot of work to do, and it's going to be really – it's a tough job as a coach, right? We, we, we have those – you hear these talks a lot, and some coaches even bring it up themselves, and I'm glad they do. you got to think, man. You're having to prepare for a season right now that's 11 days away. You're having to continue to recruit in 2024 to get guys to commit, stay committed, or flip their commitment to you. Plus, you're already having to work in 2025 to make sure that you can get guys and get in the door early enough. Getting a commitment this early is sort of rare, but when somebody commits this early, for the most part, you have to feel pretty good about it. When a guy's committed to you for over a year, you have to feel pretty good. Doesn't always work out, right, Perry Thompson? Doesn't always work out for that school, but you feel pretty good when somebody's able to commit two years out to your program, and that's what J.J. Falk just did for Auburn. The four-star edge could be a linebacker by the time he gets here, uh, depending on his size, his speed, his development, Uh, but overall, number 10 player in the state of Alabama If he does end up at Auburn, it's another in-state win for Hugh Freeze, for the Tigers, something they have not been doing over the last couple of years. It's exciting. It's refreshing. It is just so good to see that Auburn's going after in-state recruits down the road. And remember this, too. 2025 could finally be the first full year of Hugh Freeze and company recruiting from start to finish even with the limitations that will be as close as you can get 2026 maybe sure I guess but 2025 is going to be about as close as you can get for this staff until it's a actual full year for them to have that full recruiting cycle and they're off to a hot start they're up to number 11 in the country 334-321-1390. What are your thoughts on this on a Tuesday afternoon as Auburn football continues to recruit at a high level, continues to get commits to this program, and continues to build for what should be a positive future? 334-321-1390. Give me a call. We'll talk about it. Plus question of the day when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7 for the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Well, with Auburn kicking off in 11 days, college football kicks off this coming weekend. Can you believe it? We're just, what, three or four days away now from college football officially being underway in 2023. And with that, I want to look at uh, a prediction for, uh, for you from um, Brett McMurphy from the Action Network. We all know Brett McMurphy. He's been doing this for a long, long time. Uh, one of the biggest names in sports journalism, sports media. And he does this every year. He does his bowl projections week by week. And these are his bowl projections right now. Coming into the year, 
coming into week zero, right, the start of college football, these are his bowl projections. And uh, I want to go through these. There's some interesting notes in here, uh, interesting predictions in here. And really, I wanna, I'm going to kind of go through, see if I agree or not. I want to see if you agree or not. And what are maybe some of your bowl predictions coming into 2023? It can be about Auburn. Uh, it can be about another SEC squad. It can be uh, about another, just another college football team. And as we get closer, maybe not this week, but probably next week, uh, I'll give you my full predictions for the SEC, uh, for uh, maybe some bowl projections, the college football playoff, all that good stuff as we get closer to the start of college football. So I want to hear from you on all of this. 334-321-1390. Got a few minutes here before the bottom of the hour. But again, this is from Brett McMurphy on the Action Network. And here are some of his biggest bowl predictions. Okay, Going into 2023... His national championship game. Well, let me give you this. The college football playoff predictions. All right, here's the four teams that Brett McMurphy has his college football playoff being made up of. Michigan, Florida State in the Rose Bowl, Georgia, and Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl. Those are the two playoff games, the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl. He's got Michigan and Florida State, Georgia, and Ohio State. I think that's really interesting because you have two Big Ten schools. You have Georgia out of the SEC and Florida State coming out of the ACC and not Clemson. We know the stronghold they've had on that conference for so long. And two Big Ten schools. Look, I think Michigan Michigan and Ohio State are going to be really good this year. And I think Michigan's better than Ohio State. I've said it numerous times. I think this is the most talented team Michigan's ever had. Georgia's really, really good. Can they get a Good season out of Carson Beck at the starting quarterback position. Can that defense continue to be lights out like they have been the last few years? Can Florida State live up to the hype and the expectations that they have coming into 2023? Not a bad pick here for the college football playoff. Some of the New Year's six bowl games, according to Brett McMurphy, his projections going into week zero. He has Washington taking on Alabama in the Fiesta Bowl. So he still has the Crimson Tide, maybe not making the playoff, but at least making it to a New Year's Six Bowl, taking on Washington out of the Pac-12. A sneaky good team this year, by the way. The Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, how about this? Oregon taking on Tulane. I love it. I absolutely love it. Tulane, they are a nasty team, man, and that's a program you just don't want to mess with. You don't want to mess with Tulane, and he has them going to a New Year's Six Bowl. Do I fully agree with it? No, but I, I respect it, and I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. And I think Oregon is one of those teams out of the Pac-12 that will compete for a college football playoff this year. So a New Year's Six Bowl prediction, not, out of the, not really out of the ordinary there. Capital One Orange Bowl, Clemson and Penn State. I think that's a great prediction. I think both of those teams will make a New Year's Six Bowl, but I don't think either one of them makes it to the college football playoff. I don't think Clemson's good enough. I don't think they have the quarterback. I'm going to be honest with you, folks. I don't think Clemson has the talent that they've had over the years. And I don't think they've got the coaching that they've had over the years. And those two things are going to lead to Clemson having a good year, 
but not a great year. And they also still play in the ACC, the worst Power 5 conference in college football. So they do have that going for them as well. You know how I feel about Penn State. Until they prove it, I won't believe it. The other one here, the Cotton Bowl, Texas Tech and LSU. Interesting here. Uh, Texas Tech, I think they're a sneaky good team. I've heard a lot of good things coming from over there. I just don't know. I think the Big 12 is going to be deep this year. And while I do think Texas Tech will compete, I don't agree that they make it to a New Year's Six Bowl. LSU absolutely would. I think LSU wins the West this year. I think they are... I think they are uh, going to be a really good team. And they'll make a push for the college football playoff. And they'll make a New Year's Six ball. I don't mind that. So a couple of SEC teams, LSU, Alabama, and Georgia in the New Year's Six slash college football playoff. He has Georgia and Michigan making the national championship game, does Brett McMurphy. So interesting notes there we'll talk some more about it later on and next week i'll give you my predictions as well when we come back we'll talk auburn basketball as some notes and uh, some interesting videos coming out of the camp for bruce pearl and the tigers we'll talk basketball when we come back Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. All right, we are halfway through our number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067. Well, I know that football season is borderline here. It starts this weekend for college football, right? Auburn starting next weekend and then uh, the NFL getting going after that, right? High school football is in full swing, but I want to talk a little basketball here on a Tuesday afternoon because Auburn fans should be really, really excited about this upcoming basketball season. And we know that the Tigers get going uh, on November 7th against Baylor. Uh, it's a really interesting matchup uh, for, for Auburn, the playing out in South Dakota. And while we may be 11 days away from, from the start of Auburn football, we're only 77 days away from the start of Auburn basketball, which is seems like a lot, but it's not. I promise. It, it will be here very, very quickly. And I wanted to talk basketball today a little bit because there's been, there's been a few videos that have come out from Auburn basketball about a few players, and, and I think it's important for us to talk about them. Because it should get you, the fan, right now excited for this Auburn basketball team. And look, I know the past couple of years have, let's just be honest, they've been disappointing for Auburn basketball. They have. They've been disappointing for Auburn when it comes to the production on the floor in the regular season, when it comes to the production and the performance in the SEC tournament. And when it comes to results in the NCAA tournament, it just has. And since that Final Four run in 2019, Auburn fans have been waiting to get back to that level, right? You have been waiting for Auburn basketball to become 
that program in college basketball that is competing in the Sweet 16, Elite 8, or Final Four every single year. And they've yet to get close. Right? You've had a couple of second-round exits. Um, you've had a dip in the talent level, I think, across the board at Auburn. And I think Bruce Pearl has noticed that. And I think he's taken note of that. I think everybody on the staff has taken note of that. And all you got to do to, to prove that is go look at the roster right now. Go look at the Auburn basketball roster right now. There is some serious talent on this team. I mean some skill on this team. Some players on this team right now. And it's not like Auburn hasn't had the talent before. It's not like Auburn hasn't had good players in the last few years. Auburn just hasn't had the right players. And what I mean by that, nothing against them personally. Nothing against them And I don't know anything about them like that personally. And that's not my job to talk about that on the air. I'm just saying when it came to the fit of the personal, of the individual basketball player for what Bruce Pearl runs, for what Bruce Pearl does on this Auburn basketball squad and in this program, they just weren't the right fit. Alan Flanagan, his time was done. He had to go. Wendell Green Jr., his time was done. He had to go. It just wasn't working anymore with players like that. Same way with Zeb Jasper. And I loved all three of those players in different ways. And they were all good players in different ways. But it was time for them to go. And it was time for Auburn to move on from them as much as it was a time for them to move on from Auburn. But you look at what Bruce Pearl, Stephen Pearl, and staff went out and got when it came to high school recruits and transfer portal additions, you've got some serious players on this team. And I think not only really good talent, you've got guys that fit the system. They fit what Bruce Pearl needs. And I think he was missing that over the last couple of years. Let me read you through the players that you're going to hear a lot about this season for Auburn basketball. You've got a good mixture, too. Let me note this. You have a really good mixture of returning players that have been at Auburn, they've been under Bruce, and they know what they're doing here, right? They they know the expectation. But you also have a really good group of transfers coming in, and you've got a really, really good freshman who's going to be one of the best freshmen in college basketball and one of the best players in the entire country. So here's the guys you're going to hear a lot from this fall in winter and spring. Dylan Cardwell, Jalen Williams, Janai Broom, Chris Moore. We've heard a lot about those guys. KD Johnson. He's been here. He's done it. Trey Donaldson. He's been here. He's done it. I expect a big step up for the sophomore this year. Those are the guys that have been here. How about Lior? Right? How about Berminator? You're going to hear from him this season. How about a couple of guys that have transferred in that I think you're going to hear quite a bit about? How about a Darren Scott? Right? How about Denver Jones? How about Chaney Johnson? How about Chad Baker-Mazzara? Those guys 
have come in through the transfer portal and are going to elevate your program as well. And then the freshman that's going to take college basketball by storm, his name is Aiden Holloway. And Bruce Pearl went on the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein, and if you don't listen to that, you should. Uh, If you're a college basketball fan and don't follow him and keep up with him, nobody does it better than John Rothstein with CBS Sports. Bruce Pearl was on his podcast this week and said Aiden Holloway is special. Said he's a special player that is going to really make a difference on this team this year and shake up college basketball. So look at all those guys and think about all those names that I just talked about. We know the ones that have been here, right? Cardwell, Jalen, Janai, Chris, KD, Trey. Those guys are still really good players. And I expect them all to be even better than what they were. I think Trey Donaldson, look, I'm expecting really big things from him. Do I think he's a starter this year? No, but that's because you went and brought in Aiden Holloway, one of the best freshmen in the country, and Denver Jones, one of the best two guards in the country. And I'm going to talk about him in a video that was released of him in just a moment. So I don't expect Trey Donaldson to start this year, but I expect his minutes to be significant, and I expect his impact to be massive. We saw his performance in the NCAA tournament. We know he's got it in him. He's got the best court vision, some of the best handles, and we know he can shoot when he's confident and when he's locked in. He didn't miss a three in the tournament, right? So we know Trey can do that, and he's just a sophomore, so you've got to keep that in mind. You look at somebody like KD Johnson, who's now a senior in college basketball. He will not start either, but he will be what he was late in the year last year. Leadership, energy, and positivity off the bench. And that's exactly what KD Johnson should be on this team. He's not a starter. But he plays his role really, really well when he comes off the bench. And that's where Auburn benefited from him the most. You have Chris Moore, who no won't be a starter, won't be a go-to backup, but when his name and number are called, you can rely on him. Right? You know what you're getting out of Chris Moore. You're getting effort. You're getting a guy down low that can make plays on his own if he has to. You're going to get a guy that's running up and down the floor and gives you 100% effort on both ends. And that's what Bruce Pearl loves. That's why Chris Moore has continued to hang around this program. Then you look at Janai Broom, Jalen Williams, and Dylan Cardwell. I expect Janai Broom to be one of, if not the, best player in the Southeastern Conference in this college basketball season. And there's no reason he shouldn't be competing for that. There's no reason that Janai Broom should not be one of or possibly be named SEC Player of the Year in 2023 and 2024. You saw what he did late last year with some confidence. You saw what he did when he went and tested the waters in the NBA draft, in the NBA combine, right? He balled out. He did. Janai Broom balled out, and he showed just how good he can be. With a little bit of confidence, a little bit of effort, this guy is a really good basketball player. And he is going to make this offense and defense, he'll be the anchor in a good way. Anchor's not normally a good term, but he will be, he'll be the thing that keeps it together, right? He will be the go-to option. 
right? He is going to be the guy that when Auburn is slow and Auburn needs a little push, dump it down to Janai Broom. He'll take care of it. You need a stop on defense? Need a big block? Need a contest at the rim? Janai will take care of it. And I fully expect him to be the best player in the SEC. Jalen Williams. Yeah, we, we have talked about him so much on this program, right? If he plays with the confidence that he needs, he could be the best player on the team. We know his athleticism. He can jump out of the gym. He can make ridiculous plays that nobody else can. But it's just so hit or miss. But I think this year, if you take some of the pressure off of him with the other talent that's around him, I think you have the opportunity to see the best form of Jalen Williams we've ever seen. Dylan Cardwell, he's going to be a wonderful backup center for you. He is. He's going to be a wonderful backup five for you. And we don't have to talk about his, his energy, his emotion, his love for Auburn. We don't have to talk about those. You know that. And he wears that on his shoulder and on his chest loud and proud. So those are the guys that have been here already that I think are going to take that next step for Auburn. But what about the guys that are coming in? What about a Darren Scott? What about Aiden Holloway, the freshman? What about Denver Jones? What about Cheney Johnson and Chad Baker-Mazzara? You got some shooters on this team now. What was the concern last year? Auburn couldn't shoot the basketball. As a basketball team, they couldn't shoot. You had guys that were overly confident that couldn't make it. And you guys, you had guys that were scared to shoot that actually could make it. That's a bad combination, folks. That's a bad combination for a, for a basketball club. But I don't think you're going to have that this year. I think you've got athleticism on this team. And all you got to do is look at the video that Auburn put out yesterday of Chaney Johnson. He maxed out the vertical leap test. You know the thing that's got the... It's basically a real tall pole, and it's got the different bars up at the top, and you jump up and you try to smack them around to see how high you can jump, standing flat-footed. Yeah, Chaney Johnson, he maxed it out. He hit the top one. He could have gone higher, probably. He maxed it out. So think about that. You're running down the floor, and you lob it up to this guy who can jump higher than anybody else in the gym and can make a play when you need it. Chad Baker-Mazzara, go look at his shooting numbers. He's also 6'7 and can handle the basketball. That's borderline unguardable. Go look at the video that's circling around Twitter right now from Denver Jones, the junior who's going to be your starting two guard, and in practice made 21 straight threes. Sure, they're uncontested. Sure, it's in practice. But I don't care. He made 21 straight. Never saw anybody on last year's team do that. Never saw anybody on the year before's team do that. Denver Jones is a really, really good player. And he's not just a shooter. He's a ball handler. He's a game manager. He's a floor manager. And he is going to make this offense go. You will feel his experience on the floor. This season, I, I fully believe that. You will feel his presence. And not that I think there's going to be a massive drop-off from when the starters and the bench are on the floor. 
But I think the player you'll feel it from the most is when Denver Jones is not on the floor. I just think he brings that he brings that experience and he brings that skill level to a basketball floor when it's five on five that you're not going to get out of many players. He will make the offense go. Denver Jones will. He will. He can shoot, make plays. He's 6'4", 190. He's going to be good on defense. He's athletic, and he's high energy. He fits this Auburn narrative, perfect for Bruce Pearl and the squad. Then you look at Aiden Holloway, who will be your starting point guard this year. He's a freshman at 6'1", 165. And he will be the guy that makes Sports Center top 10 plays, whether it's passes, deep shots, dribbles, whatever it may be, alley oops, whatever it may be. Aiden Holloway is a guy that when he brings the ball up the floor, he's going to say, everybody else, he's going to motion his hands out towards the sides and say, nah, get out of the way. Get out of my way because I'm going one-on-one or we're about to have some fun. That's Aiden Holloway. He's exciting, he's young, he's fresh, and he is going to be somebody that will make Auburn just exciting, right? It's going to be one of those players where when he makes a play, you're like, wow, how did he do that? How does he do that as a freshman? He really made that play as a freshman? I think his knowledge is there. I think his brain is just developed, and he's so skilled in basketball at such a young age. And all you got to do is go listen to Bruce Pearl talk about him. He's going to be a really fun player. And he's got a chance to be one of the best freshmen in the country. So I think as a quick prediction for a starting five, I think you're going to see Aiden Holloway at the one. I think Denver Jones at the two. This is where it gets interesting. You're going to have Jani Broom at the five. I think Jalen at the three or four. And then you just have to decide, do you want to put Chad Baker-Mazzara or do you want to put Chaney Johnson? I think right now it's Chaney Johnson, but I don't know that for sure. I think that's where I would go for now, but you could rotate that however you want it. But I think Aiden Holloway, Denver Jones, Jalen Williams, I know he's a little big to play the three. He is 6'8". And it's going to be weird because you may not have a true three. You may not have a true four. You may have to rotate a little bit there. But if you're having to struggle to fill your, your, your starting five because you, you're having to leave somebody out, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing if you're Bruce Pearl in Auburn. And so to wrap all of this up before we get to break, this is a really fun team. I think this is a really, really good team. And I I believe I've made this statement on the air, and I want to say it again. I think this is the most talented team that Bruce Pearl has had since he's been at Auburn. I believe that. And I think you're going to see that this fall, in this winter, in this spring. They've got an exhibition game early November, and then they start with a pretty tough non-conference schedule. They have some tough games, and you start out against a tough Baylor squad. And I made this statement last year, and I think it's true for just about every basketball team in every single season. Bear with them through non-comp play. 
It's going to take a little bit. There's a lot of new names and faces on this squad. There are. There's a lot of new guys. And it's going to take a little bit. But from the videos we're seeing of individual players and the videos we're seeing of the team as a whole, they're excited. It looks like they're having fun. It looks like that they're enjoying the game of basketball. And I'll be honest with you. There were a lot of times last year the players weren't having fun. It just didn't, it didn't seem like they were enjoying what they were doing. It didn't seem like they were having a good time and that everything was coming easy. It was a grind last year. It was a grind the year before. And I'm hoping that Auburn can get out of that funk of being in their own way, always having a setback, and not enjoying it. Because what's one thing that Final Four team did when they finally turned it on? They were having more fun than anybody. 334-321-1390. We'll wrap up hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line when we come back. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, this is going to be a uh, pretty quick segment. I went a little long in that last one, but stay tuned. Coming up in hour number two, we'll talk Auburn football, get you caught up on uh, some recruiting news, get you caught up on the practice schedule, what's coming up over the next few days uh, for Auburn football. And then Daryl Daprich will join us in uh, about 30 minutes or so. He'll join us at 3.30 on the phone lines to talk Auburn as well. Should be an exciting second hour, but hey, really, really quick, coming up this weekend, for all you Braves fans out there, we'll have the Braves this weekend as they take a trip out west to take on the San Francisco Giants. Game time on Saturday set for 2.30, and then Sunday at 5 o'clock for Sunday Night Baseball. Plus, former Auburn baseball player and now broadcaster Greg Olson will be on the call as well. So be sure you're tuning in here this weekend. ESPN 106.7 for a chance to listen to the Atlanta Braves taking on the San Francisco Giants. Hour number two on the line coming up. Don't turn the radio dial. We'll have some fun here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two. This is the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour, you know where to find the podcast, ESPNAU.com, or just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. We talked about Auburn football recruiting as the Tigers pick up a commit for the 2025 class yesterday. 
So we talked about that, uh, talked about what it means, why he chose Auburn, and what he could become. Uh, that is J.J. Falk to Caleb Falk, uh, what he could become down the road as he still has a couple of years left of high school football and uh, how it's just another in-state commit for Auburn here in the state of Alabama. So talked a lot about that in the first hour. Also talked to Auburn basketball in that first hour because – Videos keep coming out about this team. Just some impressive feats uh, that they are uh, accomplishing right now. And it, it just gets me excited for the basketball season since we're 77 days away from that as well. And so I uh, just talked about the, the players on this team, expectations for this team, and really what it's going to take for Auburn basketball to really take that next step after their final four run four years ago. They haven't been able to really replicate anything near that since. And so what it would take for this team to do that again. So a really fun conversation in that first hour. If you missed it, go and uh, listen to the podcast after the show today at ESPNAU.com. Here's what's coming up in the second hour, though. Want to look at some of the predictions about this college football season from ESPN. Uh, see uh, what they have to say about the SEC, what they have to say about Auburn. Then coming up at 3.30, it is Daryl Dapperich who will join us. Double D will join us at 3.30 of Locked on Auburn. And uh, Montgomery Radio legend, if you will, will be joining us at 3.30. So excited to talk to him about all things Auburn athletics. But until then, phone lines are open. 334-321-1390. Anything on your mind in the sports world, Auburn football, Auburn basketball, uh, you anything really that you want to talk about, I'd love to hear from you on the phone lines. You can join in, be a part of the show, and be on the line 334-321-1390 well let's look at what ESPN has to say uh, about their college football predictions for 2023 and this is this is their conference champions this is uh, player of the year this is all sorts of good stuff in here uh, sort of getting you ready for the 2023 college football season. And this is from Mark Schleboff from ESPN. The senior writer's been doing this for years and years and years. Um, it's an important year in college football, right? It's a pivotal year in college football because all of the conference realignment stuff, I know a lot of people are tired of hearing about that, and I get it. Um, but when you, when you kind of zoom out on everything and you realize, okay, the landscape of college football as we know it is about to be over. You have UCLA and USC uh, who are going to be out of the, the Pac-12 come next year, part of the Big Ten. You have Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah all going to uh, different conferences as well. Like It's just it's unbelievable. You have Texas, Oklahoma coming to the SEC, right? You have the Pac-12 who leave them gasping for air you have the ACC who won't be far behind them I don't think a big 12 that is got new teams in it right now like it's just crazy to see where college football college athletics are going and what could be the final year of normalcy normal for what we've seen over the past 10 years I guess is a, is a decent time span to look at this just because um, I mean, think about 10 years ago. That's when Texas A&M and Missouri came to the SEC, right? You had other movement around college football. So from what we've known the last uh, eight to 10 years, that's all going to change after this year. And, and look, if you are a 
college football fan of what it is now, you better enjoy this year because it's going to be different from here on out. And it's not going to stop changing. And there's a lot of fans that are disappointed in that. There's a lot of people that are sad to see it change and and not pleased with the way it's changing. But I think there's also a big group that's happy to see it change. I think there's a big group that's excited for all of these changes and, and the ones to come that have yet to be discussed or or even the ones that have been discussed that just haven't happened yet. So keep that in mind this season, just when you're watching 2023 college football, because it's going to be really special. It is. It's going to be really, really special, and it's going to be changing after this. So just keep that in mind. But here's what ESPN has to say about this upcoming season in college football. ACC prediction, right? We looked at some bowl projections earlier. Here's what ESPN's got going down in the ACC. We know what this conference is. We know that it is a weak conference. It is. It's a weak conference. It is the weakest conference in Power 5 football. It is. It is the bottom tier of the Power 5. You have Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, and that's it. That's it. That's all you have. You have three good teams. In the ACC, you have some average teams. You have Pitt and Louisville, NC State, Miami. Maybe throw Wake Forest in there if you want to throw them a bone. Everybody else is a bad squad. Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Boston College, Duke, Georgia Tech, Virginia. They're all bad. They're bad teams. They're bad programs. So the ACC is just a bad conference in general. And according to ESPN, their prediction in Mark's Slayball is Florida State to win the ACC, to defeat Clemson, and take over Clemson, I should say, as champions of the ACC. And I don't think that's a bad prediction at all. Offensive player of the year, Drake May, quarterback at North Carolina, no surprise. We're going to see him light it up again this year and then take his talents to the NFL. Coach of the year, Mike Norvell from Florida State. If they win the conference, I think that's a a great, great choice right there. Um, And we know that this has been Clemson's conference for a long time. And Florida State, Florida State went through some bad times, right? They went through some really low times, but they've rebounded really, really quick. Now, the expectations are high. And can Florida State and Mike Norvell reach those expectations I don't know we'll find out I think they can I think they will I just think they're more talented Florida State has secretly brought in a lot of good players go look at that roster right now go look at their roster and tell me there's not some talent on that football team I think they're more talented than anybody in the conference I think they're going to be better coached than anybody in the conference I just think they're a better team than anybody in the ACC. And I do think Florida State wins it this year. I I don't disagree with that at all from ESPN. They've got some predictions for each conference. They have, he's saying that Clemson beats Florida State, but not twice. So basically he can beat them once, but not going to beat them again. They have Drake May. He has Drake May winning the Heisman. Wow. Okay. Has Drake May from North Carolina winning the Heisman? I don't think so. Uh, I think he will be in consideration Here's my prediction. Drake May will not even be in New York. He won't even be in New York for the Heisman ceremony. Because I think the Heisman, a lot of it is based off of 
your team performance. And I think North Carolina will be an average football team. They'll be probably 8-4, and four, so above average technically. But the only reason they're going to be that good is because of Drake May. And maybe that's enough to get them to New York and win the Heisman. I don't know. So a couple predictions there from the ACC, including Florida State winning the ACC. Big Ten. How about this? ESPN has Michigan as their Big Ten champion, but Marvin Harrison Jr. being the Offensive Player of the Year in that conference from Ohio State. Absolutely. Absolutely. Marvin Harrison Jr. not only is the best offensive player in the Big Ten, he's the best receiver in the country. That guy's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. And he's going to have another great year. And he's going to make the Buckeyes a really tough team to beat. But they have Michigan winning the Big Ten. And you know what? I don't hate it. I've said it. Michigan is a good team. And it's crazy because Harbaugh was on the edge, I think, of losing his job in Ann Arbor. Was on the edge of losing his job because he couldn't beat Ohio State. He couldn't beat Michigan State. He couldn't get to the Big Ten championship game. He couldn't get to the college football playoff. He couldn't do any of it. And then all of a sudden, he starts winning. All of a sudden, Michigan has a chance to have a winning streak against Ohio State. They've got back-to-back. This year would start the streak with three. How crazy would that be? Look, I grew up in Ohio for most of my time, for about nine years almost. And Michigan was a laughing stock because they couldn't beat Ohio State. The Buckeyes had their number. For 20 years, Ohio State had Michigan's number. But all of a sudden... It's crazy what happens when you beat your rival in college football that can save your job, right, Gus? It's crazy what happens there when you beat your rival. But not only is Michigan beating their rival, they're making the college football playoff. So I think they do it again this year. Doesn't mean Ohio State won't be good, but I just think Michigan's better. I really do. And this will be a really interesting year for me with Ryan Day at Ohio State. Because when he took that job, when Urban Meyer left... Seems like forever ago. I really questioned what Ryan Day would do there because I just didn't know, right? He acquired a bunch of talent. I figured the first two or three years would be good. But then what would he do recruiting? What would he do with his own squad? And credit to him, he's kept him competitive. But I promise you this. If Ryan Day and Ohio State lose for the third time in a row to Michigan, Buckeye fans are not going to be happy. They're not going to be happy, and they're going to start raising some questions, and the question will come up, should we find a replacement for Ryan Day? Do I agree with that? Not yet, but I think it'll happen. Folks down here, you know how that is. You lose three games in a row to Alabama, three games in a row to Georgia, which Auburn's done more than that. You start questioning who's leading the program, and I think that'll happen this year in Columbus, Ohio. Three predictions for the Big Ten. We'll kind of move through these quickly. We'll pick up on this conversation after a break as well because I want to get to the SEC in particular. Michigan beats Ohio State. I like it. Two Big Ten teams make the college football playoff. It's been a very, very popular pick amongst some of the biggest names around college football media. A lot of people like the idea of Michigan-Ohio State making it to the Final Four. And think about it. If the SEC can only produce one legitimate candidate in Georgia or LSU, I think it's if 
it's more likely for the SEC to only have one and it be Georgia rather than LSU, and I'll get to that in a minute. I don't think the ACC has a chance at two because I think Florida State will take that. And if not, it would be Clemson. They're not, the conference isn't good enough to get two. The Big 12, maybe one, maybe. And then the Pac-12, they're going to eat themselves alive. I hate to say it, they're going to be one of the best conferences in the land. But they're not going to get anybody there because they're going to beat up on each other. So I don't hate the Big Ten getting two teams in. I don't hate that prediction. But I don't think it happens. I'll just, I'll just be honest. I don't think it happens. I think only one gets in, and I think it's Michigan. I really do. And then they have Wisconsin winning the West. That division is one of the worst divisions in Power 5 football. It's terrible. But I'm so glad that the Big Ten is finally getting rid of divisions now that they're adding more teams. So that way you get Ohio State-Michigan in the Big Ten championship game. You get Ohio State-Penn State or Michigan-Penn State. Like, nobody cares that Iowa makes the Big Ten championship game because they never do anything with it anyway. Purdue? Really? Purdue in the Big Ten championship game? That's a crime. That's an absolute crime. We'll talk about what ESPN's got to say about the SEC and the Pac-12 and the Big 12 coming up. I'll give you some of my thoughts on that as well. Plus, Daryl Dapridge will join us when we come back. That'll be at 3.30, so stay tuned for that as well here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. And Shane, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, how you doing today? Doing fine, man. What you got? Uh, I was just going to chime in on some of your comments. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I don't see any way that Ohio State even starts to sniff about, about uh, getting rid of, of Day. Um, yeah, if they lose three times... To, to Michigan, yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna suck. But they're in the playoffs on every other year at least, and and if they lose without one game, that's one game. Um, I I don't I just can't I don't see it as that that much of a of a pushing point to even talk about getting rid of the guy just losing that one game a year. They don't lose anything else. Well, and that's, I mean, I get that, but at the same time, think about it this way. I mean, it's the same way with, with Auburn-Alabama. It's the same way with any other big rivalry where once you lose that third one in a row, if it's the same head coach, you start to you start to chatter. They did it with Harbaugh at Michigan when he was losing so many times to Ohio State, and then he turned it around. I don't think Ohio State would get rid of Ryan Day if he loses this year, but they would it would start to rumble. The 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 fan base would start that conversation. Maybe not all of them, but if you don't well, beat Michigan a- and if you don't get back to the college football playoff, Ohio State's one of those places where the expectations are through the roof. And if you start to lower yeah. or if you don't hit those, then there's concern. Yeah, but that's just that's just one game. They're still they're still going eleven and one. Uh, you know that if if Auburn did that, Alabama did that. That's still only one game. If if Michigan if if if, uh, if they lose one game and it's to Michigan, they're going they're going to the playoff. They're not going to get left out for losing that one game to a team that's going to the playoff. Just like well, just like Alabama wouldn't get left out if they only lost one game to 
Auburn or to Georgia or whoever mm-hmm. who wants to play up. Right. If, if that's the only game, yeah, if that's the only game they lose, then you're right. They, they have a pretty good chance of getting to the college football playoff, and I think that's why a lot of people are predicting that's both Michigan and Ohio that. State to get there. Yeah, crazy. That, that, I mean, like, these are legit questions and common conversations that, that teams get rid of for losing, like, one game or, or two games a year. Yeah, it's but a, a, but you got to look at it, too, because look at, you know, look at the Big Ten. They're like, look, look I'm pulling up Ohio State's schedule right now. Indiana, they do play at Notre Dame, and I've said this before. This is a tougher schedule for Ohio State than normal. At Notre Dame – at Purdue, you get Penn State at home. You have to go to Wisconsin. You have Michigan State at home, and you're playing at the Big House this year for Michigan. So it's a tougher schedule than normal for Ohio State, but the Big Ten is not good enough for them to be able to afford multiple losses. And Georgia, what do you think about Georgia? Because they would be – you said the exact same thing about Georgia probably. Uh, they probably have a tougher schedule – because they have to play on the road at Auburn, on the road there, you know, I don't know. I think it's crazy. It's amazing that we could even have this conversation. I I would – there's no way in heck I would fire a coach. I would even want to fire a coach if we lost – if we went 11-1 every year and it was to Alabama every year. Yeah, it was tough because of them, but we're winning the other 11 and we're in it every single year. So if it's just that one team, I mean – it's, that's not, you're, this is a petty world we live in. That, that, that's, that is the reality. I mean, you're, 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 you're right. It's, everything you say is true, but it, it's just weird that that's the world we live in now, that, that one game can get you uh, possibly fired. Yeah, it, it's, it is crazy. But, again, you got to think a, a fan base like Ohio State or a fan base like Georgia, Alabama, whatever, not only – are their expectations so high? Like it, it, whether it's you know warranted or not, that's another discussion. But their expectations are beat Michigan, get to the playoff, and win a national championship. And if you don't do that for three or four years, then yeah, they want to see you go and bring in the next guy. I don't fully agree with it, Shane, but that's you're right. That's the world we live in. It's crazy. Well, maybe one day we'll get to that point where we can complain about. <laughs> you know, one game. Every year. Yeah, I'd love uh, that, man. I would be I'm all for that. Yeah. Anyway, guys, how you man? Yeah, pre- appreciate the call, Shane. Great to hear from you. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. And, and yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Because for a team like Ohio State, who does not play a tough schedule, they play a tough one this year. And I'm comparing it to Georgia. And I'm gonna say it. Ohio State plays a tougher schedule this year than Georgia does. And that's not good. That's not a good thing. <laughs> like, Ohio State's playing in a much worse conference than the Big Ten, but the road games they have to take and how everything lays out, they play a tougher schedule than Georgia does this year. They just do. Georgia has two games this year. Two. At Auburn and at Tennessee. Everything else You get South Carolina at home. You get Kentucky at home. You play in Florida neutral site like you always do. Oh, no. You have to go and play Georgia Tech on the road in Atlanta. Boo-hoo. Ohio State starts off the year on the road in Indiana. So, no, it's not a tough game, but you're starting off on the road in a conference game. They'll start slow, and then they'll beat them by 50. 
you're at Notre Dame, you're at Purdue, who always plays you tough, you get Penn State, who's a top 10 team in the country, coming to the shoe, you're at Wisconsin, who's a top 20 team right now, you have Michigan State coming home for Ohio State, and you have to end the year in Michigan at the big house. That's a tough schedule for Ohio State. But the Michigan game is not just one game. The Iron Bowl is not just one game. Clemson, South Carolina is not just one game. Texas, Oklahoma is not just one game. It's the game. It is the game. And if you lose that game consistently year in and year out, in this sport of college football, it doesn't matter what you do on the back end, which you can agree or disagree with that if you want or whether that should be right or wrong, but that's the truth. It's the truth. If Alabama loses three games in a row to Auburn, you know what is going to break loose in Tuscaloosa. And when Auburn has gone through these losing streaks against Georgia and Alabama, they've gone through three head coaches to do it. And so, sure, if Ohio State can get to the college football playoff by losing to Michigan and still get there, that's one thing. But what I'm saying is, if Ohio State loses two games this year, with one of those being Michigan, and they don't make it to the college football playoff, then there's the concern. Then Ohio State fans start getting the doubt of, well, can Ryan Day beat Michigan? Can he get to their, the playoff consistently? He probably can, but I'm just saying those rumblings are going to start. And it is a crazy world we live in, Shane. You're absolutely right. Where programs like that, the expectations are so high, it's almost, and this sounds bad, and I don't mean it to be this way, it's a spoiled mentality where fans of, a, of a, a program that have won so much in the recent years, you get that way. And look, if Auburn ever gets to that point, I hope, like Shane said, I hope Auburn fans get to experience that. I hope that in the next 10 or 15 years, the Auburn fans are quote-unquote spoiled and, and expecting to win national championships because I think you expect that right now. We just haven't been able to see it on a consistent basis. But I hope that you as an Auburn fan can get there very, very soon in this day and age of college football. Great conversation. Really quickly here, looking at ESPN, talking the predictions. That's how all this kind of got started. For the Big 12, they've got Texas winning the Big 12 this year. And one of their predictions, Texas is back. Nah. Yeah, they may be back in the Big 12. They're about to be in the SEC. You look at the Pac-12 really quickly, they have USC winning the championship again this year in the Pac-12. And one of their predictions is the Pac-12, one of their teams will make a college football playoff. I don't know about that, and I don't agree with it. I think they're going to eat themselves alive and beat each other up, and nobody gets there. Of course, they have Georgia winning the SEC. Brock Bowers as the player of the year on the offensive side. Harold Perkins, the linebacker for LSU, the defensive player of the year. Three predictions. Bobby Petrino wins the Broyles Award. Okay. LSU beats Alabama in Tuscaloosa. And Carson Beck is a Heisman Trophy finalist for Georgia. Holy smokes, ESPN. Let's, let's calm down a little bit on the predictions in the Southeastern Conference. 
When we come back, we'll talk with Daryl Dapperich about some Auburn football, some commits, and what to expect in the next 11 days. Don't go anywhere. He's up when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goetz with you on ESPN 106.7 and joining us as he does every Tuesday at 3.30. It's Double D, Daryl Dapridge from Locked On Auburn and Montgomery Radio legend. Daryl, great to hear from you as always, brother. Hope all is well. Oh, it all is great. It's good to be on and I'm just excited as we get closer to uh, college football season kicking off it just ramps up the excitement of getting to talk to you and uh, talk college football so it's fun I always enjoy coming on appreciate it well of course we have college football beginning this weekend Daryl with week zero games getting started a couple of decent matchups this weekend what uh what which ones catch your eye that you may have have on the tv on Saturday this is how you know I have moved away from my western roots and my northeastern roots and I have become a transplanted full-blooded southerner because i really am interested in watching the umass game yes yes <laughs> you know why i love because it they're Scouting, baby. First opponent love so, it. i mean i you know i know that you know there's some better matchups in week zero and there's some a little bit more evenly matched up games but i really want to watch uh what they do and then cal and north texas play which is i think well they actually play on week one but that's another game on week one that I, I love watching or i'm interested in watching future opponents for Auburn. So mm-hmm. that UMass game is going to be one that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be intrigued. And then I think Hawaii. Yeah. Refresh my memory. Does Hawaii play? They're playing Vanderbilt week zero. Vanderbilt. In, yeah, yeah. In Vanderbilt with their 20,000-seat uh, halfway ripped apart stadium there in Nashville. Yeah, I wondered if it's going to be like like we used to play Nerf football in the, in, in the street and you dodge the cars. I wonder if that's <laughs> what that game's going to be. But – yeah, those games. I mean, week zero is one of those where you're not going to get that really, really intriguing matchup. So I'm, I'm really interested seeing what UMass has, watching them play with that transfer quarterback from Clemson, that kind of thing. So that, that's the one that kind of caught my eye. Well, Daryl, before we start talking Auburn specifically, with Auburn kicking off in 11 days against UMass and, and UMass getting this Week 0 matchup, not that there's any real concern that Auburn were to lose this game against UMass in Week 1, but there's got to be some advantage, right, for UMass at least having a game under their belt before they make the trip to Jordan-Hare. I think so. I think there is, and I think that's why I'm surprised Notre Dame is playing Navy so early in the year you know a, a, a an offense that's another one that's intriguing me because of the navy's unorthodox offense which is very hard to stop and notre dame playing that game so early with the unknown you'd like to play usually a game like this early to kind of get your feet wet so umass will have a little bit of advantage coming into the game as much as an advantage as you can being a 35 point underdog because they'll have have run through some personnel they'll know like let's just say Jacob, they're, they're unsettled on a couple of key positions, right? And then they play this game, and somebody emerges as a starter, well, then they'll end up putting a, a stronger lineup on the field because of that against Auburn. Shouldn't make a difference, won't make a difference, but they will go into Auburn unless they get physically beat up a little bit from playing New Mexico State, who, by the way, also another future Auburn opponent um, this year. 
So I think that's that's the that's the advantage. But there could, I mean, you know, you're playing college football, and there could be an injury, or there could be something that happens from a physicality standpoint, especially when you're coming in to Jordan Hare on a two thirty kickoff in the middle of the summer when it's going to be extremely hot. I, UMass is going to have to play a lot of people. There's no doubt against Auburn, and they, that that opportunity may not be there if they get a couple guys dinged up. So it could hurt you or help you. It's kind of a double-edged sword. Well, it's definitely an intriguing storyline as Auburn gets ready for the 2023 season. They start in 11 days. We know that the Tigers had their second scrimmage of the fall period this past Saturday. Hugh Free spoke with the media afterwards, and while he had some praise for this team and a couple of specific guys, Daryl, to me, it just seems like there's still work to be done with 11 days to go until the season, and Hugh Free said it himself. He has to really coach up this team and almost be the back guy in practice just your takeaways from what he's had to say and what we've seen limited of so far this fall I just think that any coach that has done really really well in the SEC never comes out of any scrimmage or practice relieved or satisfied I mean you know people used to make fun of Saban all those years about how he would find something to nitpick about or he would find something to comment about same thing with Kirby Smart and some of the other coaches Spurrier used to be a master at it as well so I, you know, that doesn't surprise me. I think Auburn, what I'd like to know is if he took some truth serum, I would love to know what going into this fall camp. I'm sure that him and the other coaches had an idea of where they thought Auburn was going to be at this point in fall camp, especially after naming your starting quarterback. What I'd like to know is, is it where he thought Auburn was, would be? Are they behind schedule where he thought they would be? Or truth be told, are they a little bit ahead of schedule? And I think that probably from an offensive standpoint, I would think if you got him to get hooked up to a lie detector test, I think he probably thinks Auburn's a little bit further ahead of where they would be based upon the running game being so good and going to be able to carry them and then do until the passing game figures it out. I, I wonder where do he, what he would say about the defense. So anything that he says from a pointed comment about coaching them up and getting them to the next level there are things that he's still seeing like maybe stopping the run or you know are are we missing too many open receivers are they not running their routes all the way through completion when he talks about them loafing does that mean you know they're not following through and completing the route even if they're not the first or second option because you don't the defenses don't know that mm-hmm. and you got to go through that play all the way like you're going to receive the ball can't take a playoff. So if it's those little things, I think they'll get cleaned up. And I think he's able to figure out who does not take, who doesn't take a playoff. And that's why it's such an important thing to open up against UMass to kind of get all that worked out. But I just think he's a coach that demands excellence and doesn't rest on his laurels. And I like that. He's going to find something. Even if he felt like the scrimmage was, was a top shelf scrimmage as good as he's ever coached in all his years of college football, he is going to find something to work on because he doesn't want them satisfied and settled which I think like you mentioned makes a successful coach 
in not just in college football, but especially in the Southeastern Conference. We're talking with Daryl Daprich, who uh, makes appearances on Locked on Auburn, makes appearances on uh, so many different radio programs uh, here in town and across the state of Alabama, knows Auburn football just about better than anybody. We know that going into this scrimmage on Saturday, late last week, Hugh Freeze made the announcement that Peyton Thorne is the starting quarterback, had good things to say about him, but Daryl had great things to say about Robbie Ashford and his response to Peyton Thorne being named the starter as well and talked about the packages that Robbie, or not the packages in, in specifics, but that he will have packages this fall. Just your your breakdown of where the quarterback room is right now with Peyton Thorne as the starter and Robbie going to see some time at number two. I think that probably early on behind closed doors or maybe whenever this decision was made, I suspect it didn't go as well as it should have. I think that after that point when Hugh Freeze was at the press conference and made it very clear that we will have packages for Robbie, but that depends on how Robbie handles this. Mm -hmm. That was very, very telling. And I think Robbie Ashford got the message and has handled it very well. And, you know, you can say all the right things. You can act like, you know, but when you get on the field, if you if you don't pout and if you still look explosive and you still run everything as hard as you can run it, and th- then that speaks volumes. And I think that's what Coach Freeze saw in Robbie Ashford at the scrimmage. So, again, I don't get the detractors that get upset and say, if Thorne's the starter, just go with Thorne. I don't want to hear this package stuff. A lot of people have said that. A lot of media, a lot of fan, you know, fans that we interact with and stuff just really don't want to see packages. And I just think that that's like having a weapon un, you know, somewhere stored in a box and you refuse to use it if right. it helps you win. If, 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 if it helps you win games, I don't care that Thorne has to come out at certain points of the game and Robbie gets 10 or 15 plays, if it makes you a better football team. And if Robbie Ashford is competing at a high level with his legs and how dynamic it is, it is an unused, untapped waste of a weapon to not open it up. And I think that that's ridiculous for people that don't want to hear about packages. I think packages can be effective when you do it a certain way. And, again, I don't get the, the whole, well, no, there doesn't need to be packages. Yes, there does, because it makes Auburn a better football team. As long as it, now, And, look, here's what's going to happen. You mark this down. Throughout the course of the year, even early on, Robbie Ashford is going to be very successful on particular drives. He's going to run for touchdowns. He's going to lead touchdown drives. And it's going to look explosive doing it. And people are going to go, wow, because he's got breakaway separation speed. Once that happens – and he has success, it will continue to happen. You're not going to pull somebody or pull packages when they're working and they put points on the board. It keeps the defense honest. It keeps Thorn fresh. So I say do it, and I'm tired of this. You know, The, the resistance against it, against it just makes no sense to me at all if it makes you better. Well, well Daryl, those last two points that you just made were exactly what I was going to say. It takes the pressure off of Peyton Thorne where he doesn't have to be the guy on every single play at the quarterback spot, and it also keeps the defense on their heels and have to respect Robbie Ashford when he comes into the game. And, Daryl, I've talked about this as well. You're gonna, I think you're going to see Robbie Ashford, those packages – 
95% of them are going to be running packages, right? They're going to be read options. They're going to be whatever type of running play they come up with for him. But the one time the defense crowds the box and they bring Amen. everybody up, bam, they're going to hit the, play, the throw and play down the field, right? You are speaking like I'm in church right now. And the image I got was how they could utilize this is don't break it out until you need it. Yep. Okay, the element of surprise. So a big game, maybe on the road, Harken back and, and visualize what Nick Marshall did with Sammy Coates to tie the Iron Bowl in 2013. When they ran down, you know, they, it was run, run, run. It got them all the way down the field. And on fourth and two or whatever, it looked like Marshall was doing the read option, doing the keep. Just as he gets to the line of scrimmage, he does the pop pass to Sammy Coates, and he's still running. Element of surprise. They didn't pull that out of the bag until they needed it. That's the same thing you can do with Robbie Ashford. You run it down their throat. And then when you're tied in a ball game and you're at midfield and the defense cheats up, you drop that over the top to Hooks or Fairweather or Brown or whoever, and it's the element of surprise. Then you have it on film and the defense starts to, oh, I better cover Fairweather over the middle, and you open up the whole middle of the field, and then Robbie's still running. So it, it, you keep them on your toes, but you watch. When they break that out, it, they ain't going to break it out in the third quarter against UMass. They're going to break that out when they need it to win a football game, and the element of surprise with him throwing it over the top is going to be epic, in my opinion. And then all it comes down to, Daryl, is Robbie making the throw, and if he's getting better like we've been told and like I think we've seen a little bit in practice, I think you're going to be very, very pleased if you're an Auburn fan. Daryl Dappert's joining us on the phone lines. Got you one more question before mm-hmm. I kind of let you go. Is there any position group right now, Daryl, that you are still – concerned about with this Auburn team we're 11 days away luckily I've talked about this Auburn doesn't have the toughest start to the season so I know you got to go out to Cal but that's a bad football team let's just be honest you have a slower start to the season so you have some time to get better before going to Texas A&M is there any position group right now or maybe there's a few for you Daryl that you're still concerned about as we get closer to the start safety was the one I was concerned about until the scrimmage I'm still a little concerned about that but defensive line has become an area of concern of me only because of the injuries you mentioned in the open. We know Harris has got an, uh, has got an elbow injury. We know Jason Jones has a banged-up ankle. You know, we've heard that, that Falk is battling a shoulder situation. So you, you are now at a situation where you're going to have to go to your two deeps, and as long as you can get that taken care of by Texas A&M, you should be fine. You know, as long as all those guys come back full strength by the end of September, it should be okay. But I'm a fatalist, and it concerns me. And, I, you know, I, I want to see these guys healthy. I want all hands on deck, even when you go out to Cal and play a Pac-4 school. Cause <laughs> Pac that's what four. it is. Oh, no. And, 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 and play them. It's, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've watched too much of that football after dark, and, you know, Auburn should win that game. But if you're down to your second-string defensive line and you're having to rotate third-stringers in, I don't know. It just means a lot of young guys across the defensive front, guys like Darren Reed, stuff like that, are going to have to play. So that's a little bit of a concern, not so much of a concern once they get through week three and go on to week four. Hold, sir, you know, win the game at Cal, and then it's not a concern at all, even if they're not back yet, because I think they'll be ready to go by A&M. But all things being equal, safety still concerns me. Well, and one thing that Freeze has talked about with that defensive line, Daryl, is the fact that the running game for Auburn is so good, and they have been just hammering them in practice and in scrimmages with Jarquez and Damari Austin and, and everybody else, that 
is it the offensive running game being that good or the defensive line struggling to stop the run? So I think that plays into it as well. We'll know. We'll know week four. It's that same thing that we've talked about before under Gus. You know, we kept hearing about how great Auburn, Auburn's defensive line was and how great now they were with Davidson and Derek Brown and some of those guys. But a lot of that also was because the offensive line was terrible. And so in scrimmages, the defensive line and the edge rushers would whip them and it was like, wow, you know, we got some elite guys that can play defense. And we did. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, the D Fords and the, you know, Derek Browns and the Marlon mm-hmm. Davidson and some of those guys on the defensive line were good. But a lot of that was, I think, exaggerated or accelerated because of the offensive line. You look for that balance. And when you get that, you'll know if you have that balance when you start playing other teams and go hat on hat. Dale Dapperich, who joins us every Tuesday at 3.30 here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. I appreciate you, brother, as always. It's always a great time talking to you. Let everybody know where they can find you, uh, find when you are on with Zach Blackerby of Locked on Auburn, and everything else you got going on, man. Sure. I am a Friday uh, guest now. Uh, Friday's my day. I will be on after every uh, football game on a reaction show that gets posted on Sunday. I'm with Ben Taylor on WANI on 710. And with my man, Jacob, 3.30s on Tuesday. So it's just a lot of fun, a lot to talk about all over the place. Daryl, as always, man, enjoyed it. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next Tuesday when we can start talking about Auburn football game week, brother. All right. Have a great week, man. Thanks. You too. That's Daryl Dapperich again joining us on the phone lines. He joins us every Tuesday at 3.30 here on On the Line. When we come back, we'll wrap it all up before the drive with Bill Cameron, Dan Peck, all coming up on ESPN 106.7. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Last few minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067. As always, uh, appreciate Daryl Dapperch and his time every Tuesday at 3.30 here on the show. He is a contributor for uh, Locked on Auburn with Zach Blackerby, so make sure you are checking their stuff out at Locked on Auburn. You can find that wherever uh, you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well, so be sure you go and check that stuff out. They do reactions after commits, after football games, and so uh, Daryl and Zach both do a fantastic job, and I appreciate Daryl hopping on the show every single Tuesday. So thank you to him. If you missed any of that conversation or any other part of the show today uh, talked a lot about Auburn picking up a commit for 2025 back in the first hour so I uh, broke that down and what that means for Auburn moving forward and how everything coming together for the 2024 class the 2023 season on the field how all of that can build into what could be the best recruiting class maybe ever for Auburn in 2025. So uh, keep that in mind. And and again, if you missed that, go check out the podcast. Talked about that. Uh, We talked a lot about Auburn basketball today because uh, just some things coming out that I think are interesting about this squad that I'm really excited about. uh, And I I can't contain it. So I had to talk about basketball a little bit today as well. Plus some of the predictions for the 2023 college football season from ESPN uh, broke those down today as well. So you can catch all that at ESPNAU or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast but with the last few minutes here something that Daryl was talking about that you could obviously see in here I should say that he was very very passionate about was fan pushback of Robbie Ashford getting packages in the offense this year and it's interesting because I've seen some of that and 
I just kind of shook it off because I didn't think there were a ton of people that were actually pinched a tent in that camp. But according to Daryl, it seems like he's got a lot of people that he has seen and gotten that feedback that people don't want Robbie Ashford to have packages this year. I don't know. That doesn't he he was obviously a little upset about it, and I'm kind of with him. Like, why not use use another weapon if you have it? We don't want a Gus Malzon Clemson game with three quarterbacks in rotation. But why not let Robbie Ashford see the field 10 to 15 times? And if it does make your football team better, if it does make your offense better, if it does keep the defense questioning what you're doing, if it does keep Peyton Thorne fresh, why not? And if Robbie Ashford has truly earned it and grown and matured, like Hugh Freeze has said, why not give him the opportunity? Because in today's game of college football, you know what happens if you don't use a player. He's gone. We'll talk about this some more tomorrow. And as we get closer to the start of college football season, that'll do it for me. Stay tuned, though. Bill Cameron, Dan Peck coming up 4-6 to six for the drive here on ESPN 106.7. Until tomorrow, I'll be back 2-4. to four. I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.